Diverse voices. Unique sound. Not the same old thing. Different, different. This is NOCO FM. You're listening to episode number 22 of the Boys Built Better podcast. Today we're going to be talking about depression in children. Welcome to the Boys Built Better podcast. I'm Jessica, a mom of three boys who is just trying to do things better. I'm coming to you from Fort Collins, Colorado, where I live with my husband, our boys, and a whole lot of four-legged friends. I'm here to share my thoughts on raising boys in today's world, find answers to your parenting questions, and chat with experts about building happy, healthy boys. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening. Before we get started with today's episode, a quick announcement. Boys Built Better is going to be running a giveaway this summer to help motivate your kiddos to be reading and working on math facts. So be sure to like us on Facebook and uh, follow us on Instagram and listen to the next episode for all the details on that giveaway. Today we are talking with Dr. Hector De Leon, a pediatrician about adolescent depression. Uh, It's a really interesting episode. The information is fabulous. It's something that is personal to our family as we had. It's something that we experienced and I definitely waited too long to seek out medical help. And so Dr. De Leon's here to chat about it and um, help parents kind of identify it earlier than I did. So let's cut on over to the episode. Hi, Dr. De Leon. How are you? I'm well. Thank you. How about yourself? I am doing pretty good. I'm excited to be here today. For listeners who are not familiar with you, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, So my name is Hector De Leon. I'm a pediatrician and I have lived in Fort Collins uh, for nearly seven years. Um, I'm originally from um, the southernmost tip of Texas, what's known as the Rio Grande Valley. Um, It's the uh, region that borders the northern um, area of Mexico. And I grew up uh, essentially living on both sides of the border, Um, so often uh, celebrating birthdays and uh, weddings and um, holidays um, in Mexico and both sides. And so um, it's kind of an interesting experience growing up. I uh, completed my undergraduate education at the University of Texas at Austin, and um, and then I went to medical school at the University of Texas at San Antonio. I came back to Austin to do my gra- my graduate medical education in uh, pediatrics, and then I um, had elected to do a couple more months of uh, of uh, child neurology um, training at Dartmouth Medical School. And so I ended up uh, staying at Dartmouth for a year. I worked in their um, outpatient clinic uh, for general pediatrics in Concord, New Hampshire, and then I loved New England, so I decided to stay in Vermont. Uh, for a few more years. And I worked in um, hospital and um, clinic uh, as a general pediatrician for three more years. Uh, My mom got sick around that time. Uh, She uh, had a brain tumor. uh, So she was in Texas and uh, I found myself going back and forth a lot. So I decided to be closer to home. And so um, I chose Colorado for a couple reasons. I've had some had some previous experience here with uh, roommates from medical school and college. And uh, so I was uh, looking for a place that had a lot of outdoor activities and um, couldn't find a better spot in the country. And so I came here. I met my wife here. Uh, she's a, a Fort Collins native. Uh, she was born at Poudre Valley Hospital. And um, we uh, have two small children. 
uh, two and a half year old, uh, very active boy and a eight month old um, crawling uh, little girl. And so they keep us pretty busy. I, um, we love the outdoors here. Um, it's part of the reason that Fort Collins has uh, been a good fit for us. We love the community that exists here and that we're building. And uh, um, we couldn't think of a better place to raise a family. It's a special place here. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I absolutely agree. It sounds, it's funny because I lived in New England for a while too. So we've both kind of been all over. Um, so I've asked you to come on today because we're going to be talking about depression in adolescence. Um, and it was something that I had personal experience with and probably missed for a long period of time or longer than I should have. And um, I just think it's important for us to talk about it so that parents can understand it and recognize it and and maybe do better than I did <laughs> or find it earlier. So, um, so I, I kind of wanted to kick things off with maybe having you as a medical professional talk about what depression is, because I, I think in layman's terms, we all have this idea that we know what depression is, but maybe just for the sake of being on the same page, can you kind of talk about just the definition maybe of depression? Sure. Um, and can I just say that I think a lot of people, if not a majority of the people, find this a confusing topic and, and maybe even think about it as something that just happens, you know, to other people. And I think for, you know, anyone, um, who has family, um, you might uh, find that, you know, your own family is going to be, uh, impacted by this at some point. So I think, uh, very, uh, simply it, it's a state of mood depression, um, that changes a person's behavior for a period of time. So a sustained period of time and changes it uh, in a way that impairs functioning at either school, at home, with relationships. And so um, it really causes uh, problems in those areas. So it's a, a mood state um, that uh, alters, you know, in a way your biology and ends up with changing behaviors that adversely affect how you're doing. Um, and so I know that even that sounds a bit nebulous and well, what is it exactly? Well, um, there are criteria and definitions that uh, the different psychological associations put together. And so we use that to help um, guide it and come up with specific diagnostic criteria. Um, but in general, um, that's what I'm looking for. And are there different types of depression? There are. Um, so you can um, define them, again, through these different criteria. Um, so you can have a, a brief uh, depressive episode. Um, there's uh, what's known as major depressive disorder um, that's lasting a longer period of time. Um, Drug-induced depression or alcohol-type um, depressions or uh, even further along the spectrum, uh, something like bipolar disorder, where you sort of cycle between elevated moods and very depressed moods. And, and there's different stages of depression, right? Because I know that when I got the diagnosis for my son, he was at, labeled as moderately depressed. So, so what are the different stages? Sure. So w within a diagnosis, um, you can sort of categorize severity of depression. And um, some, some people would, would, if you use a screening tool, score at a, at a milder form of depression where you're seeing some impact on behavior and functioning. Um, but then you could have more of an impact and that's where I think, uh, um, your son uh, was. And so then there's people that are more severely depressed. And so that, uh, 
determines, you know, how we, how we respond and what the, the tools that we're going to want to use. Um, I think uh, another way to think about this is not just in stages or um, in, as a spectrum, but as, and I don't want to get too complicated, but, you know, sort of ecosystems of mood. So anxiety can have an impact on your mood to cause a depression and other behavior problems or even learning problems can impact it. And we can talk more about that. And what about, is there a difference between depression in children versus adults? Because we're specifically talking about children today, but are there any differences? Yeah, there's a lot of similarity. Um, and probably there are some differences that are uh, worth pointing out. Um, so um, let's start with teenagers, for example. Um, and what, what I've noticed and what what is seen in, in these um, situations is teenagers often uh, avoid their parents and family and uh, maybe even, you know, their social group or school and, and people that they're normally around. But what's interesting about teenagers is sometimes the opposite happens where they'll seek out uh, a trusted uh, peer friend, someone that uh, maybe, you know, quote, gets them. And um, so they'll, you know, instead of um, wanting to spend time with family or, you know, going to school, they'll just um, ditch school and just want to go hang out with this group of people or this person and often to their own detriment because it's a bit of the blind leading the blind, for example. And so then they start engaging in, you know, not helpful behaviors and activities and things like that. And then younger children um, often show behavior problems. So uh, things like irritability, um, uh, problems with uh, tension at school, loss of interest in learning. Um, so this is an example where you know, your child was uh, initially very interested in going to school and wanted to learn and was sharing all these things that they were doing. And then you just stop seeing that as much. And actually it gets worse where you just don't want to go to school anymore and um, aren't really telling you why, um, but uh, something's different and how that's happening. So that may be something to uh, want to explore with your child. What I have seen in both groups and, and, Maybe this is less true with adults, um, but what I do see in both young children and adolescents is both groups struggle to um, find the words that explain how they're feeling and what they're feeling and to describe their emotions. And so that's a common thing with kids and adolescents that, um, you know, as we probably expect, they just haven't had that practice. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's a, um, something worth recognizing. And I, that was, a, that was a great kind of list of different ages, um, as well as maybe some things to look for. Can we talk more about that? Maybe some symptoms that parents might see in addition to those things that you mentioned, sure. um, what other symptoms of depressions might a parent notice? Yeah. So, um, th there's a, a long list. And so I think, uh, changes in sleep. So trouble falling asleep. Uh, trouble staying asleep or sleeping too much, um, loss of interest in an activity that they were usually engaged in and interested. And so whether that be an extracurricular activity, um, music, um, reading, you know, stories, books, things like that. Um, one that, um, that I don't, that's maybe a little bit harder to tease out is feelings of guilt. Um, so, uh, this feeling that, you know, you've done something wrong or that you're not good enough or that you're letting people down. And so those feelings, I think, can come up to um, energy 
and just low energy or just unusually erratic energy. Um, but uh, changes in energy, um, I think, are important. And then just, you know, if, if you um, ask your child, do you feel sad? Uh, if, you, if you're just noticing more tears and things like that. So uh, mood. Um, I think uh, th there's also um, trouble with uh, so motor activity, um, psychomotor, or just uh, moving a whole lot, restlessness. Um, we mentioned irritability earlier. Um, withdrawing. Um, so um, withdrawing from social settings um, is another important one. So I think um, those main areas are, are some of the ones that we look for. And anything else to say about the difference in older children versus younger children? I think you kind of you kind of covered that, but anything else on on those two spectrums? Because we have listeners that yeah. have both. Well, I think it's worth calling out too, um, and this happens more so, I think, in, in the older children, 11, 12 and above, but rarely we, we, we've seen it in young children, is um, ideas of not wanting to be alive anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's tough. That's really tough to try to elicit. Um, and it's important. We need to do it. And um, I think for, for those of us that, you know, do this for a living and have these conversations on a daily basis, it's still not a comfortable conversation. And so I appreciate how for a parent or caregiver, um, it's got to be really sort of scary to try to think about how to do this. So I, I think uh, being aware of uh, these thoughts in your children is uh, uh, worth uh, learning how to do. And so... Um, I think we'll talk more about where we can find some of those tools later. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that, I was going to ask you on what worsening depression looks like. I mean, I think certainly those type of thoughts would indicate maybe worsening yeah. depression. Um, can you kind of speak to the progression maybe that parents might see? Yeah. Well, um, so I mentioned some of the symptoms earlier. And then I think uh, a couple that I forgot um, to mention and that will come up is uh, changes in um, appetite mm -hmm. and so um, sort of sudden and, and then gradual decreases in appetite or even overeating and so sometimes in younger children we'll, we'll see the, the decrease in appetite and this happens in both sets but um, you, you could just see maybe even some weight loss um, or the opposite where they're just you know can't get enough it seems like and it's not really that uh, they're growing so much. It's just uh, it's a sort of episodic uh, overeating that keeps happening and they're sneaking stuff in, uh, you know, at nighttime and things like that. So that may be worth uh, trying to find out if there's really more of a mood that's driving uh, this behavior. And so that'd be one. And then uh, and, and I look for um, performance changes in school. So if teachers are all of a sudden um pointing something out like, you know, something's different. I think that's something for me to uh, look into some more. And, and this is another um, thing that I encourage parents and, and all of us to uh, think about is using everyone in our community to help us raise our children. And so not that you expect that they're the ones that are going to be the primary, you know, uh, person responsible for raising your child, but, you know, check in with them and ask, you know, have you noticed, you know, something's been different because 
you know, I'm just interested. I'm trying to get a handle on these things. And so same thing with, you know, if you're in a faith organization and your child spends time with other children's or, you know, babysitter or someone like that, um, relatives or friends in the neighborhood and talk to their parents if they're noticing anything and try to get a sense on the big picture. Um, because we often just sort of, you know, get caught up in our narrow day and focus and we have to sort of hyper-focus and we can lose sight of what everybody else is seeing. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah. I think, I feel like as a parent too, of, of kids who have gone through this or whatever, like we wouldn't, you might not ask a teacher because there's sort of some sort of shame around the concern that your child might be misbehaving at school or or that they're not there to help you, but they're to judge you, yeah. maybe. So I love that advice. That's a good point. I, I think for some of us still, um, there's a stigma with um, behavior health and mood health. And as a, as a community, um, I know here, at least in Fort Collins, uh, we, we've got a problem with not wanting or not being able to fully embrace mental health uh, because of stigma. And, and we've seen enough cases where um, it's a real issue and, and, and we can't just, you know, be afraid anymore. Yeah. And so my hope is that we can normalize these conversations in our community. And just by, you know, having more of these conversations as part of our natural sort of evolution in life. As human beings, we, we all have a um, built in emotional component. It's part of our biology. And so just like we learn how to, um, you know, use our eyesight to coordinate in different athletic ventures or for learning a musical instrument. I think it's worth investing in our emotional development, yeah. and, you know, development. And, you know, it's going to take some practice and we probably need some direction. So um, but we all have a, a part in that. Right. Yeah. And that's why I think that that's such good advice too to be able to seek out your teachers or other community members, because that's taking some initiative and making a change and also showing those people that you're trying to kind of help your child yeah. for the better. I really love that. Um, so this podcast is about boys specifically <laughs> anything sure. we're, we're talking about kind of identifying depression, but just anything to say about depression um, or specific concerns about boys, depression in boys. Yeah, I think it's worth calling out and, and there's probably a couple areas that um, are worth really highlighting. So uh, one thing that's, that's been interesting to me is um, with boys, especially younger boys, um, so um, young school age boys, three through 10 or so, uh, what, what seems to be um, a bit more prevalent is that they're more likely than girls to have uh, a mental health, behavior health, uh, developmental disorder. So things like, you know, ADHD, anxiety, depression, and, um, and often, uh, not really, you know, have a way to, uh, express that. Right. And so, uh, you know, it often happens that it's a little bit later on and it's not uncommon that these things really don't become, uh, enough of an issue to everybody. So parents, the child themselves until, um, later in school, junior high, high school, and, and not to say that that's too late. But, uh, um, and again, considering all the issues that we mentioned, sort of, uh, stigma and expectations that we have on ourselves and things like that. Um, but, uh, it sort of can make it to where there's opportunity loss, mm. right? 
And so I think uh, just being aware that um, boys, especially younger, um, do uh, struggle with these things uh, a little bit more than girls. And then it kind of flips, um, but or at least balances out some yeah. more. Um, but uh, there's definitely that to be said. And then the other very important um, point to make is that when we're talking about suicide, and again, this is difficult, um, but we, it's important. Uh, with, so boys and young men, uh, when they attempt suicide, uh, are likely to do it in a way that's more aggressive and likely to result in uh, completing suicide. And so I think that's worth being aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so when you compare adolescent boys and or boys that attempt suicide, they're likely to do it in a way that is more likely to result in suicide. Interesting. It makes me think a couple of times on this show and, and things I've read just about raising boys kind of talks about the, this idea of having to be manly, which means kind of ignoring your feelings ultimately. And that, that seems to be something that keeps coming up. So it kind of coincides with, with what I just find it interesting. It kind of coincides with what you're talking about. where maybe struggling more mentally. Right. Um, it makes me curious as to. to oh, absolutely. That. And I'm, I'm sort of having more of these thoughts now having my own son. And, um, you know, when I look at the relationship with my own father and how that um, worked for us, um, I guess I'll mention that um, my mother was a single mother, so I grew up without knowing my father um, pretty much most of my life. But what I've realized uh, in working with, you know, many, many young people is that even um, boys that their father is very involved in life, oftentimes there's still a challenge in how men communicate with their sons about feelings and how they express feelings and um, and, and, you know, that's part of it is cultural. Um, and it doesn't uh, mean that we, we can't have very, um, successful nurturing relationships where men and moms can teach their sons how to, you know, emote and uh, express and, and in a way that doesn't lose masculinity. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'm, I'm enjoying that part of my life now. Yeah. Um, in my practice and in how I talk to young men and boys, but also in doing it with my own children. Yeah, that's great. Um, let's talk about, cause that was a lot of great information on identifying depression and, and what it might look like. Um, let's talk about move into diagnosing depression. Um, I, the first question I'm going to ask, because I, I think I could have used this answer a few years ago, um, is when, how do parents seek a diagnosis and when should parents seek a diagnosis? Sure. And, and again, please don't um, be so hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, you know, give yourself some grace here <laughs> because you. You, you did um, yeah. bring it up. Yeah. And so, uh, so I, I think it's worth um you know, keeping a pulse on, you know, your child's um, behavior at school and sort of what we talked about earlier, checking with teachers, checking in with, you know, other people that care for your kids. Um, but uh, specifically, if, if you notice um, uh, sort of sustained change in behavior. And so where, uh, again, they're not interested in going to school anymore, um, having conversations about you know, bullying, I think is important. And so how they're getting along with other friends. Do they, do they like other kids? 
Um, you know, if not, why not? What's going on? And so if that's coming up, you know, in your conversation and, and then if you're noticing in more than one place, so it's not just not wanting to go to school, but not wanting to hang out with people, not wanting to do things at home that they used to like to do, that's probably more a problem mm -hmm. that we should address with um, some professional help. Uh, yeah. And for me, I will say the final straw for me, I, I had an inkling. So I think that, that a lot of this information might just help parents realize that that inkling might be true, like a final push if you're, if you're concerned. So I for sure had an inkling. It wasn't that I didn't know. It was that I didn't know when maybe to go. The final straw for us was when my son was crying and crying and he said, I'm crying and I don't know why and I can't stop. And it was sort of like, okay, this is a push that I need to go to go see the doctor. Right, right. And so, yeah, that sort of just emotional uh, liability is like, where is this coming from? Right. Mm -hmm. But and I think that maybe the fear or the, the delay was that I didn't really know where to go or mm -hmm. what to expect. And I think that that that's another reason why this is helpful is that parents can know what to expect. So if a parent comes to you or a pediatrician um, with concerns, how do you diagnose it? Sure. What tools do you use? Well, we've got some good tools. You know, not, again, these are tools or screening tools, so often not um, themselves diagnostic. Um, so here at um, Permanente, we use um, uh, validated tools. So uh, the, it's called the PHQ-2. Um, and so that's a two-question sort of screening test. And then there's a, a more expanded version called the PHQ-9. And then uh, to really get into uh, the nuances of mood and uh, suicidality um, for teenagers, there's a, a tool called the Columbian, Columbia uh, screening tool. And so that's available. And for younger kids, um, there are other screening tools. One's called the SCARED that helps us look at anxiety. And um, often also uh, when we're looking at these mood situations where we're looking at other things, uh, for example, trouble with attention. And so uh, looking at ADHD, for example. And so we'll use the uh, Vanderbilt screening tools. And so that includes questions on mood. So depression and anxiety and performance. And so that gives us a little bit broader sense of what's going on potentially. And you kind of mentioned a couple of other maybe possible coexisting conditions in there. Are there related conditions that if, if you're concerned about depression that parents should also be aware of other conditions? absolutely and, and that's actually worth uh, acknowledging for children is that um that's you know often a case uh, is that there is also a component of anxiety or um some learning disability or um so reading difficulty for example or uh, we mentioned adhd and within adhd there's subtypes so trouble with attention specifically uh trouble with hyperactivity or the combination of the two and so all of these can sort of impact uh, the mood that, you know, we're seeing and be the root cause of that. That might make it even more important for, for parents, if they're concerned, to see a doctor to even determine what's going on. That's so important. And I think for, for all these things, um, the, the sooner that we can sort of um, define them and, and sort of, you know, I don't want to say diagnose, but... Um, come up with an understanding of, of what the root cause is, the more likely we're going to be able to do the targeted, you know, sort of therapy. And the sooner we start that, the better long-term resiliency, I think, can be developed. And I definitely want to get into 
therapy and what sort of treatment options there are. But before we do that, um, can you talk about, you know, if you're at the doctor and, and there's a concern of depression and you need to tell your children about that or talk to them with what's going on with them, mm -hmm. how can their, how can parents talk to their kids about depression? Well, um, and that's worth calling out. I think <clears throat> earlier we, I briefly talked about how we all have moods. It's part of our biology. Um, our brain has an area in it that is specifically is associated, I mean, drives our mood and our memories and our emotions. And so there is uh, th that part. And so I sort of relating this in a way that a child um, might understand. Um, so it's... Um, I think it goes back to, to modeling the behavior, but also explaining it in, to children and so that they get it. And so things like, you know, we, we all have feelings. Um, mom and dad have feelings too. And we learn how to share those feelings and use these feelings. And uh, sometimes these feelings um, make us feel down and sad and what we call depressed. And, and that can um, happen. It can last longer than it needs to, and we need to be able to recognize it. And that way we can learn how to respond in a way that's healthy. And so, um, again, I think that allows the child to rec sort of uh, um, identify a mood and then not just let it be, but sort of capture it and, and then uh, be able to respond to it in a, a more um, beneficial way. I like that. To be, yeah, it's nice to be able to name something like that. I think kids worry that they've been bad or they did something. Yes. And so to kind of normalize feelings and to be able to, I like, I like the way that you talked about that. Yeah. And, and I think that can drive guilt too with kids, hmm. um, not knowing what, what it is that they're feeling and that there's something wrong with them, um, is very, I think, scary for kids. Absolutely. It's yeah. why you, that's the second time you mentioned guilt too, which yeah, I would never yeah. have thought about necessarily with depression, that there might be feelings of guilt around it for kids. Um, so that's probably important that it's come up twice. Uh, let's talk about treating depression. Um, I think, I don't know if I can speak for all parents, we just assume we know that you're going to write a prescription or, uh, and maybe that's why some parents don't they wait to go to the doctor because they're concerned about that. So I want to talk about how you might actually treat depression instead of um, assuming that us parents have been on <laughs> Google, maybe know what you're going to do. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I have to agree with you. I think some parents are hesitant to come in because um, their perception is that it's just going to be a pill and nobody wants to treat a child with, you know, a pill if we don't absolutely have to. Right. And I'm the first to agree with that. Yeah. Um, so often uh, the case is that it's not absolutely necessary to start with medication, especially with, with young children, but even older children. So this really depends on the severity of the depression. Um, so specifically to answer the question, um, I'll mention a few things. Um, and then also I think it's worth calling out that uh, th there's a lot of things to consider. So, you know, when we're looking at depression, you, you want to look at the big picture. And so um, you might be aware that um, there's more of an effort to consider the, the sort of cultural awareness of, of what's going on in a child's life and a family's life. So, um, you know, not just uh, uh, like ethnic cultural background, but uh, uh, socioeconomic and, and those types of things. And so then also this idea of adverse childhood experiences, something called ACEs. Mm -hmm. And so um, potential trauma that 
that child might have been um, exposed to. So whether that be um, physical, sexual, emotional abuse uh, type trauma in their past, uh, you know, sudden loss of a loved one. Uh, so death experiences, um, issues with, um, you know, not enough access to food, things of that nature, uh, not, you know, financial struggles, um, parents in between jobs and parent incarcerated, uh, drug addiction. So all these sorts of things that really impact families potentially. And, and some of this really doesn't, um, it, it doesn't really matter, you know, what your financial status is in life because all these things can happen to any of us. And so I think having that mindset is important um, to how do you tailor your approach to treatment. And so it usually involves um, therapy, cognitive behavior therapy um, being the mainstay. And then uh, medication can be helpful if it's a severe depression and often um, it's not used alone. And so usually first line, we are going to recommend working with therapist and counselor and, and making that a good place to start you kind of mentioned severity. So different stages might be treated differently. Right. Right. So uh, if somebody, uh, for example, on a screener would score on the mild depression, we might likely suggest uh, some, um, you know, just thoughtful things to do in your day. So maybe spending more time outdoors and working on your sleep hygiene and uh, looking at your nutrition, uh, encouraging you to have, you know, balanced meals and uh, make sure that you're, um, getting enough calcium, vitamin D, things like that. And are you staying physically active? Um, encouraging positive music, uh, positive uh, relationships, seeking people out, um, volunteering, for example, things like that. And um, if, if, it's that, if that's not going to be enough and, and you're really scoring at a more moderate depression, uh, making sure that you've got follow-up with a, um, a professional counselor and someone that um, you feel like you're going to be able to trust and have a good relationship with. And that's a challenge. Uh, I'll be the first to acknowledge um, it's easier said than done. Yeah. And I think that can often be a barrier for people is one, you know, just working out the logistics of um, finding someone. And, and then when you do find them, um, because let's be honest, um, it's not ever a convenient time. Um, but then if it's just not a good fit mm -hmm. and then having to start over again, and then that just becomes, you know, a, a real challenge to try to, you know, do that when you're already struggling to make everything happen. So, um, it's, it's worthwhile just, uh, not giving up on that. And so keeping in touch with your, um, the person that you're working with, your primary care doctor, um, to, to make sure that you do have someone set up and someone that you can work with. And then if medicine, um, if we decide that um, we're at a point where um, medicine would be helpful, um, we'll have that conversation. Great. Yeah. We, we treated my son's depression with therapy. Um, and I can absolutely agree with all of those things that you said, that it, it can be challenging to kind of find the time. But, but we were lucky enough to find a fabulous therapist with a great connection with my son and and that that was invaluable and really helped him get to a point where he is not feeling like that anymore. So, um, I feel like we were really, he was really sex successfully treated with therapy. Um, but That's I, wonderful. yeah, I think that that connection with the therapist was inte integral, integral. <laughs> so absolutely. Um, what about, uh, how likely someone who has been depressed is going to be re-diagnosed. Right. And I think in the back of our minds, you know, with our children, especially 
um, when, when somebody is given a diagnosis of depression or our sort of nat- nature is to think this is going to be forever. And, um, and I, and I get that. I think, you know, this goes back to, um, you know, teaching resiliency in kids and that's super important. Um, and, the, and that's probably, you know, its own conversation, Yeah. Uh, but, uh, um, you know, going back to, you know, how is this diagnosis in childhood going to affect my child long-term? Um, it depends. Uh, there's several factors. There's uh, the biology, you know, the, the biology of it all. And so for the fact is, you know, that there is likely a genetic component to severe depression. And so if, if there's several uh, family members um, that, that you're aware of that have struggled with this, um, it's likelier that there is going to be more of a long term um, uh, sort of recurrence, if you will. Um, there's a lot to be said for what we call epigenetics. So that's the role that the environment plays on our biologic, uh, you know, our genes. And so the, there's real science that's showing that our environment, the, the nurturing we receive from our environment and specifically our parents, um, how that changes the, um, the physical nature of our genes. And that's a real thing. It's, it's, it's available for people to read. And so uh, that that's an amazing thing to consider. Um, so this idea of epigenetics and how nature and uh, nurture um, interact with each other. Um, I think uh, uh, things that affect how our behaviors and mood are going to manifest is all this environmental stuff that kids are, are faced with now, the social media, um, the, the bullying, the teasing, whether it be in person or through social media. Um, so, you know, all these things in the environment that our kids are dealing with now that probably weren't there when you and I were growing no. up, um, that's going to, you know, affect um, if it comes back again um, and how often it comes back. And so being aware of all of that is worth uh, noticing when, when we're thinking about, well, how is this going to play out? That's fabulous. Now I need to do a show on epigenetics. I think, yeah, <laughs> I, I think you find, find it fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's and a lot the, of good work on And that. the social media piece for sure has got that to be. That deserves a show too. Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about it. I haven't had a specific show about it, but it definitely comes up around a lot of topics that we've talked about, how social media is driving certain things. But I can see for sure on something like mental health, um, I don't, I just don't think kids can escape some of these thoughts that they like used to be able to, if something's being driven by social media, teasing or bullying, you know, that it just continues to have life where, where you may have been able to go home and be safe from that. And it, it's not the case anymore. Or recover from it. Right. To be ready for to face right. it the next day right. again, um, which is really interesting just in, in conjunction with talking about mental health. Um, what about resources? Any recommended resources for parents? Yeah. And again, this is another area where sometimes it can be overwhelming. You know, you can go to Google and type in depression in kids and you'll see a long list of things. And depending on the algorithm and who is supporting what and sponsoring, what, right. who knows what will pop up first. What comes up first. Um, but some resources that I, that I go to and um, that I use. Uh, I think uh, so, and not to toot our own horn, but I know that my organization, Kaiser Permanente, is very much invested in this. And so I, I um, have found a lot of value and I think very helpful resources for families on a website. Um, it's called Find Your Words. 
kaiserpermanente.org. And it's a national Kaiser Permanente website that's open to the public. I think there's some very uh, tangible resources there. Um, I think the um, Centers for Disease uh, Control, so the cdc.gov website, has some very good facts and uh, just some information that's worth um, you know paying attention to. Um, and so that's a good resource for data and facts about uh, mood and depression in adolescents and young people and adults. And so that's a good resource. And then um, I think the Academy of Pediatrics um, is another good website um, that has resources for families and that I often use for um, my own sort of up-to-date, um, making sure that we're um, capturing everything that um, is relevant in how we're um, approaching depression in kids. So I think those three websites are worth um, checking out. That's great. And I will link to all of those in the show notes yeah. for today's episode. Yeah. Um, thank you so much for for taking the time to talk. Um, any any final thoughts or, or um, uh, how people can find out more? Yeah, I think uh, this is, um, I'm just not to beat the horse again, but, uh, uh, you know, we have a community here that um, I really do think is a special community. And we have a lot of very good resources in our community. So uh, I, sort of my parting shot here is um, I encourage people to really engage our community. And so uh, specifically use the resources available through the county, uh, through your school. I think a lot of schools are doing um, mental health first aid type courses right now. And so get familiar with those. Um, we mentioned some of these websites. Um, but uh, I think if, if we can all just sort of take some time to normalize uh, mental health and mood conversations uh, as it relates to each other and our children, um, I think our overall resiliency is really going to grow. So um, that be my last uh, thing to share. Awesome. Thank you very much. You're so welcome. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode and a special thank you to Dr. Hector DeLeon for all of the great information. You can find the show notes for today's episode on www.boysbuiltbetter.com. And if you haven't already, like us on Facebook and on our Instagram page so you can find out details about our upcoming giveaway. Thanks for listening. 